If you thought digital transformation was moving fast before COVID-19, look out. In banking, it's at a speed that's unprecedented and only getting faster. With the unknowns ahead in 2020, what can banks and consumers expect? To lay it all out, we've got Corey Gross of Sensible and Doug Brown of NCR Digital Banking. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast. We have Corey Gross and Doug Brown. Corey is back on the podcast after an earlier visit, which we had a lot of fun with. Corey is the CEO and co-founder of Sensible, a provider of everyday financial tools such as digital receipt management and SKU-level data that helps institutions better know and serve their customers. He's an award-winning repeat entrepreneur and thought leader in the world of payments, digital banking, and receipts. Doug Brown is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of NCR Digital Banking. Doug has more than 20 years experience in the financial services industry and is an expert in all aspects of digital transformation. Corey, Doug, welcome to Bankadelic. Great to be back with you and with Doug. Looking forward to getting to it. Thanks for having us today, Lou. We're looking forward to it. Well, of course, 2020 has been an incredible roller coaster of a year. You would think strategic plans are in the round file, but it would probably be a mistake to assume that digital is out the window. What are your thoughts on that? This is Doug from the NCR side on digital banking. Lou, we've actually seen an acceleration of commitment and drive of digital initiatives and work through the COVID crisis. It's been shown that digital has really been the way to reach customers and be agile enough to react and help them. While some things have changed, I would agree with you. The reprioritization, though, is actually working where people put this on the forefront and a lot of good things are happening now as a result of reactions to COVID. Yeah, this is Corey. I think last time we spoke, maybe I had mentioned that, you know, for the first time here in Toronto and Canada, I was seeing the big five banks promoting the availability of mobile and digital banking. They've had this great channel that has tremendous adoption here in Canada, especially relative to the rest of the world in mobile banking and online banking. And people have yet had to discover a lot of the features and functionality and convenience organically. And now we've seen financial institutions, aka a concerned shift towards educating people what's available to them in mobile and digital. I'm getting emails from group heads at banks specifically to accentuate what they can do virtually and how it's convenient as ever before. But I think it's really just reaffirming digital is going to be the future of banking. So in fact, what we may be seeing is not just staying the course with digital banking and financial technologies, but an acceleration of sorts. Tell us what you guys see. This is Doug again. We're seeing triple digit growth in usage of these digital channels and these functionalities. So whether it's remote check depositing of a stimulus check, whether it's a loan application, transferring money, we've seen just incredible surge in adoption volume, Lou. In addition to the technology, customers have been looking for assistance and guidance and advice around all of these things. And that's where we believe that 
something like digital receipts is a great mechanism to help people understand where are you spending? How can you spend better? How can you track yourself and set up goals? You know, we're seeing a deeper engagement and a cry out from customers, whether they're small businesses or consumers, that they really want advice and help and coaching. And Corey can help elaborate on how we're helping them do that. I have to agree with Doug in the amount of engagement we're seeing out of our service from large financial institutions down to small institutions is clearly a desire to leverage tools, any tools that they can get their hands on that they're easy to use and help them feel a little bit more secure, a little bit more supported in terms of being able to manage their spend and manage their expenses. Because now's a time where obviously people are kind of hunkering down. They don't know what month to month their cash flow is going to be. And I think banks are starting to realize that these are no longer sort of value adds. They need to be part of the package to help people get through stressful financial times. This is a path that has been accelerated by COVID-19. But on the other hand, this is a path we want to be on. And it's a really good thing that we're getting there in terms of this digital technology and the adoption. Yeah, Lou, I would characterize it like this, that we have aged probably seven years in the past three months of COVID in digital terms and people's awareness, utilization of these things, the capabilities, functionality to make their lives better and make them more successful financially. Corey, is it fair to say that we're really helping provide some predictability and some control in a time of just mass uncertainty in a COVID world? Yeah, just right now, you're probably seeing record transactions online, right? E-commerce is the primary means that people are transacting. And if you're a shopper or if you're a small business, the contents of these purchases are being completely obfuscated from you. You're making so many purchases on Amazon that you don't know what are office expenses versus your personal everyday basket, a lot of your non-perishable spend. So services like ours and others that provide people more visibility into how their spend is breaking down is critical because you can no longer kind of distinguish it from your local boutique that you may be used to shopping at and as a way of distinguishing a personal from business expense. On the other front, it's seeing that surge in people setting up home offices and now being faced with an entirely new potential set of expenses to either have reimbursed by your employer or to be handled by you or your accountant at the end of the year for tax purposes, right? So these are employees of businesses that are fortunate to have obviously kept their job or people who are starting new online businesses in response to having lost their job that now have to manage their professional life as if it were a small business, whether it is or whether it's just a function of the fact that you're working from home. No one really knows how long we are going to be in this situation that I've coined the new abnormal. What sense do you have that if we continue on this path, that things are going to further accelerate. People are going to have to find new habits to account for that, right? Part of it is digital transformation, people leveraging online shopping and mobile banking and other digital tools as a way of not just managing their lives, but in staying engaged and active with the outside world. You know, Zoom, most people are holding their meetings or recording podcasts. Further to that, it's about how are people going to adjust their expectations? Part of adjusting to the new abnormal isn't just about leveraging digital tools. It's about providing people a sense of community in a way that's going to adjust the way they perceive their ordinary state of livelihood. That emotional aspect of life that people 
more closely relate to being physically present with one another. And even the way business transactions are done, being able to give people handshakes, that all needs to be adjusted. And we're going to have to reorient our emotional connection to other people. I think that's the next part of the new abnormal that's going to need to be tackled by society, not just by digital tools. Lou, I like your analogy of abnormal as the new normal. Probably should have copyrighted it. It's almost like, let's plan for a black swan event a week at a time now is what it's come down to. And the learning we took away from all this is that we all scrambled, whether as businesses, as individuals, as families, and kind of being agile on what we're all doing and find the new ways to do it, like Corey's pointing out. We're Zooming here today, and I know everyone, your audience is going to be on audio with us, but we're reaching out, we're connecting and finding ways. And so it's incumbent on all of us to provide the mechanisms to react, go from abnormal to normal once again. This is all kind of being framed as abnormal equals bad. Easy for people to look at this as a flat out depressing place. And there's all these memes coming out about 2020 is just this hilariously you know, terrible break in what was an ordinary timeline. And people are actually having more real conversations with one another in a very vulnerable place. And that is merely a byproduct of having to feel more close, even in distance, to crave that human attention. And the proof is in the pudding right here. There is a connectedness between the three of us on the podcast. And you guys have some fantastic observations that we shared off mic about micro businesses, gig workers, how the equation is changing for them as well. Explain some of what you're seeing and why it matters. I think micro businesses, gig workers, this is a booming industry, right? You know, this is an industry that over the course of the next several years is poised to overtake traditional employment in terms of how people were earning an income. And that was both in a supplemental way and in a primary way, right? The primary source of income will be from people starting their own businesses or engaging in some kind of gig work, whether that's, you know, driving for Uber or renting out a place for Airbnb or, or whatnot. I definitely think that over the course of this pandemic, that segment has been hurt, right? I mean, there are people that are not able to drive Uber right now. And obviously Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes and various other delivery services are booming, which is engaging the gig economy. But people aren't renting out Airbnbs quite as often as they would like to be doing. So, I mean, this is a critically important segment that needs to have the proper support from financial institutions, either directly because there are accounts and there are financial products that help them during times like this, or in other ways, as Doug mentioned before, being able to help them manage their spend or help them stay on top of their cash flow proactively so that when downtimes come, they should be able to track that with great cash flow management tools in ordinary circumstances when their highs and lows are. They're able to best prepare for that. So I think it's a critically important and underserved segment. And now more than ever, there needs to be more attention paid to helping them float while they're trying to get back on their feet and the economy returns to normalcy. And pre-COVID, you know, we were seeing maybe up to 12 to 15% of the U.S. workforce, you know, full-time engaged in gig-type work and doing a lot of these things. And while I think there might have been a temporary suspension based on circumstance, we firmly believe that's coming back and that people are going to do maybe more little gigs than primary gigs is what you might begin to see. You know, I was mentioning earlier, just don't underestimate the creativity and the agility of people to do this. And we think digital is the great way to reach them and serve them in doing this because, you know, the banks are not able to be open in a socially distanced model. We still need 
finances, accounts, loans, and the like. So this is the mechanism by which to reach them. And that's what we're all about both here today and when we leave this podcast loop. Absolutely. That good work needs to continue. You guys are needed right now more than ever. And when we look at the flip side of what's going on, we have the banks. And just wondering what you think they need to take note of regarding this landscape, which is only going to get more complex and more competitive. So we at NCR, just the banks who embrace the community challenge and look to help businesses and merchants in particular, really capture hearts and minds of new customers. And so there was an opportunity created when trying to process the PPP loan environment when no one understood it, it wasn't even technically working properly. So we saw some of these banks and credit unions reach out and take on loans with these clients who weren't even their primary customers. As a result, you know, we're seeing them expand relationship and grow market share because they saw and are seizing this opportunity to serve what had been underserved in the crisis. And I think there's going to be a lot of examples of that as we go. If we all pay attention to the signals in the data about what customers are doing. Another example that we happened to see was an extraordinary rise in the number of account transfers before stimulus checks had even been sent out or funds had been electronically deposited family members lending to other family members in denominations of stimulus amounts. And so they knew the money was coming and the money was good. And they became, in essence, a bank of the family, right? It's a friends and family model. So just interesting extensions of all this as we're going. And I think we need to be mindful of it. And I do think those that recognize it can seize on some opportunity to grow relationships, grow customers, and grow market share. I know one thing is that there have been transactions floating around between various members of my family as we come to grips with the situation, try to help each other out. Again, you guys are certainly making a difference, helping people out, doing great work. want to thank you both, Corey, Doug, for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Corey Gross is CEO and co-founder of Sensible. He's based in Toronto. And Doug Brown is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of NCR Digital Banking. He's based in Atlanta. You can look for Corey and Doug on LinkedIn. Bankadelic. Sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services, which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. Are we connected? Are we, are, we, are, are we connected? Because there are things to do. Online places to shop, hands to shake, connections to be made. Because the best things in life are free. And the best things in life are three, three bullet, bullet points. points.
number one. We're seeing triple digit growth in usage of these digital channels and these functionalities. So whether it's remote check depositing of a stimulus check, whether it's a loan application, whether it's transferring money, we've seen just incredible surge in adoption volume. Number two. People are kind of hunkering down. They don't know what month to month their cash flow is going to be. And I think banks are starting to realize that these are no longer sort of value adds. They need to be part of the package to help people get through stressful financial times. Number three. Part of adjusting to the new abnormal isn't just about leveraging digital tools. It's about providing people a sense of community in a way that's going to adjust the way they perceive their ordinary state of livelihood. That emotional aspect of life, that people being physically present with one another, and even the way business transactions are done. And now, Lose Views. Jim Maroos, the co-publisher of The Financial Brand, said some years ago that the pace of digital transformation has never been this fast and will never be this slow again. Even Jim could not have foreseen what would happen in 2020. None of us could. As Corey Gross and Doug Brown discussed today on the podcast, a rapid acceleration in digital transformation and the use of digital technology can be attributed to the extraordinary circumstances we're in. Doug put it extraordinarily well. It's like in three months, we have moved forward the equivalent of seven years. I know sometimes I feel like as a parent, I've aged seven years in three months, but (laughs) isn't it a lot like watching a kid grow up? First, certain banks are being proactive as opposed to reactive. And that has given them an edge in doing the second thing, serving customers. One of the most unfortunate things about a health emergency or a crisis is that it forces us into action. But that said, those who look at the opportunities within the tragedies will come out on top. I don't mean just in terms of the bottom line, but the top line, the greater good for us all. And supplying the tools we need to make it through a tough time. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the coffee shop thinking about another iced mocha. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.